all right, y'all know the deal. Um, I just got off with John Martin, a uh, great coach there uh, up in New York, being the state director for the NHSCA in, uh, up there in New York. Uh, what he's doing at Queenberry is remarkable, man. Um, we got to dive deep into like cultivate athletes. Uh, we got to dive down into a little bit of hockey training, ice hockey training. Uh, what he does at Queensbury. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about uh, training female athletes and um, just different approaches that we've seen in the high school realm as well. Um, so again, if you enjoy this episode, share it with a fellow coach. Um, and enjoy this episode with Coach John Martin. A uh, couple of things before we get going off of here. Uh, definitely want to talk about our new sponsor, which is the Working Dog Coffee. Okay, This is from Brennan Sweeney down in uh, North Carolina. Uh, has a coffee, has a coffee um, company down there. And... Um, Something about that company is is that you know there's so many people I know that mindlessly consume coffee through disturbing products on the market, and the solution we have is offering an organic coffee that doesn't have any of the nasty side effects as a poorly regulated energy drink. The product, the only products you'll need on the label are 100% organic coffee with organic flavoring. Our two flavors, which is the Mal and the Burner, are a great mix of a high-caffeine product and a classic Com- Colombian favorite blend for coffee drinkers. You can use the code CHATS for 15% off, and every bag you buy will help support Working Dogs charities around the country. Again, that is code CHATS for the coffee. Now, also, we have to talk about the other sponsor of this podcast. What's the other sponsor for this podcast? You can believe it. It is Team Builder. So let's talk about Team Builder. Team Builder is the software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with an elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation setting, and goal setting, to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with team builders and house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30 day free trial as well as a 52 week football workout program. Enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Um, again, this is a Tuesday morning about 11 o'clock. Uh, I think this is like the, um, like the 18th episode I've recorded this week since being off from school. Um, 
I got on today the state director for New York. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. I mean, you nailed it. You nailed it. Uh, top, at the top right corner of the, of the United States up in New York, uh, Mr. John Martin. Uh, coach, it's awesome to have you on, man. Um, and you're at Queensbury High School. Is that, is that correct. correct? Yeah, man. Yeah, you, you pegged it. All right, sweet. And, you know, some high schools have, like, really odd names, and I can oh. never pronounce them. But um, and I can hardly remember like who's where nowadays. But um, coach is awesome to have you on, um, and I'm I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you. Yeah, man, absolutely. I really appreciate you having me on, and obviously uh, being part of the show, and obviously being a follower myself. It's uh, cool to be a part. Sweet man. So let's dive down a couple of different rabbit holes real quick off the bat here. Um, what's it like being a state director up in New York for the NHSCA? Yeah, so um, I, I'm originally from New York, so it was kind of cool when I had the opportunity to come back to New York um, and actually come back to Queensbury, uh, where my mom was actually a physical education teacher here and a coach here for a lot of years. Um, but I got, I got hired at Queensbury about eight years ago now. Um, my current AD knew they wanted to create a strength conditioning program. Um, so it's, it's been really interesting because where I am specifically, um, I would say for the most part, is really behind the times. Uh, we, we really lack in the field of sport performance, uh, in the field of athletic development with our athletes, not from a skill perspective, but what schools, you know, what their role is in that process for student athletes. Um, so it, it's, it's been an interesting road for me being the New York State Director for the NHS SCA. It's been awesome. It's, a, it's a, an amazing experience being a part of the association and getting to know people and, and kind of getting that chance to network out. Um, that's the coolest part, but obviously it's definitely been a little bit of an uphill climb when it comes to trying to get other schools to really buy into that philosophy, buy into having a, a certified strength coach be a part of their staff, um, understanding the importance of it, um, and, and really where we are in New York, really understanding what what is what is the viability of it, what what is you know what what is what is the crucial linchpin of an athletic department when it comes to uh, athletic performance. So it's, it's been an interesting road. Um, I love it, though, because obviously it's been a challenge of, of trying to get schools and ADs and superintendents to buy in. So it's kind of been a different route um, of trying, who I'm trying to sell to constantly, if you will. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I kind of relate to that as well. West Tennessee is very behind the times in the, the field of sport performance, long-term athletic development. Yep. Um, you know, it's kind of weird because West Tennessee's a little bit behind. Middle Tennessee's about where they should be at, and then East Tennessee is kind of ahead of the curve. You know, we got yep. a high school, uh, Alcoa, which one of our um people on the advisory board, that's his hometown, and I think they just won their twenty second and their twenty third uh state championship at football. So I mean, like, you know, East Tennessee's kind of a little bit ahead of the curve, and West Tennessee on the opposite side of the state is. Uh, very much behind so yeah no we're, we're very similar i was like the rochester area for us like you know out, out west obviously you're getting closer to ohio um different parts of pennsylvania you know when it comes to pittsburgh that area is definitely what i would say is kind of more on par um and even so much down south the issue is you go down south for us obviously you're closer to the city you get a lot of private schools so so that realm is is very different whereas for the most part new york state public high schools are are really lacking so so are you in the public school right now? I am. Yeah, yeah. No, we're in, a, we're in a public school system, and I'm about an hour above Albany, so we're, we're, we're upstate. Gotcha. So what's that process look like? Are, are you like a classified PE teacher that does the strength conditioning? 
Yeah, so my undergrad, I graduated from Salisbury. Uh, my undergrad's in phys ed. Um, but obviously, you know, I, I went and got my master's. I had a chance to work under Matt Nine, who was the strength coach at Salisbury. Um, and that was an amazing experience for me. Uh, really kind of honed in for me that this is the world I want to get into. Um, and then kind of moving on from there, like I said, for them, it was, all right, well, you're a phys ed teacher. So obviously we have that kind of base layer of how we can get you hired. Um, but obviously my, my background and, and some of my certifications were in strength conditioning. So they knew that this was an avenue for them to kind of take that in. It's one of the reasons why I got the interview and was able to kind of get hired in this position, knowing that that's, that's a route they wanted to take. Um, and it still took me, like I said, this is my eighth year. It took me two years just from my hiring to actually get a program, official program, like up and running, um, where like my coaching position was strength conditioning. Awesome. And I think that's more common nowadays for almost to be like that, where you're kind, you kind of have to teach a subject or be a physical education, just that, or yep. coach a sport or something like that, and then kind of build from there. Yep. Um, that's, that's an interesting, um, I guess, avenue into that certain role. Yeah, and you talk, like I said, you talk about like guys like Kyle Jackson, who I mentioned to you obviously before the show, you know, guys who are in North Carolina, who Kyle obviously comes out with an exercise science degree, you know, background in strength conditioning, and now to get into public high schools, he's had to go back and get his education degree so that he can work in a school and, and kind of get on that teacher staff payroll, um, you know, you know, as an educator. So, you know, there are two different routes to go. You know, in my opinion, it's, it's easier to be at my route to get into the high school realm. Um, but my biggest thing was in, in college, you know, I had the opportunity when I graduated to go to the collegiate level. And I, I just knew that life wasn't for me. Um, met a couple of guys who I, who I really uh, valued their opinion. And, you know, they, they lived it. They loved it. It was a whole, it is their life. It still is. Um, and, and I just knew that, you know, as much as I'm passionate about it, there were other things that I wanted to do. Um, had the opportunity to coach football for a number of years, which I loved. Um, so strength conditioning was always something that was, you know, very much so there. Um, but not something that, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice every ounce of, of my daily life um, to be a part of, you know, and now I'm thankful I have a wife, I have two kids, you know, I, I mean, being on a high school schedule, to me, it's a little more, you know, work-life balance. Yeah, absolutely. You get all the breaks, man. I mean, you, I mean, you go from zero to 60 during the school days. I mean, it's, yep. it's hard work, but, you know, the time off in the high school setting is really, really nice. And um, you know, I even debated about, you know, going, switching jobs, careers, whatever. And part of that decision to stay in the high school realm is because of how much time and work-life balance that you actually have in the yep. high school setting compared to, you know, some collegiate programs. I know not every collegiate program is balls to the wall. You're there on weekends and weekdays, whatever, till eight in the morning, till eight at night. But, um, you know, the high school scene had that more work-life balance than, um, more sedentary lifestyle yeah 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 and, and like i said you know I, I go to a lot of events but at that point it's by choice you know what i mean it's because i want to go and support the kids it's because i want to be there to see that development you know obviously take place in what their focus is as far as on the court or on the field um but like once again it's a choice if i if i can't make a game you know i'm not obligated to be there if i have to go home and pick up my kids or or do whatever i want to make it home for dinner or not like you know like i said you're just you're a lot of that little bit of balance um to make those choices it's kind of nice and you're sitting there talking about the alternative route, like it was easier to go to college, get a physical education degree if you want to go and be in the high school realm. I, I will promote that 100%, man. I wish I did it when I was in college because I, I went to go get a kinesiology degree, yep. uh, didn't know what strength and conditioning was, interned at my alma mater, 
and then graduated without any teaching certification, came back to Tennessee, and, you know, we had to go through alternate uh, program and the education prep program, and uh, PE wasn't one of those programs, like, for uh, your subject core. It had to be a tested subject, so for mine, it was biology, and then I had to get a PE endorsement later on. And uh, But, yeah, if anyone is going through any sort of program right now, if you got a chance to go through a PE and get yeah. your teaching license and stuff like that, man, do it. And that's where, like, you know, one thing right now is we're trying to push and, and we're trying to get in for this window of the NSCA kind of switching over their requirements for the CSCS is getting as many kids who, like, you know, we have schools for around us like Cortland, um, who just won their D3 national title for football. You, know, you have Brockport, you have Springfield, which is obviously a hotbed for strength conditioning. And also all those schools have great phys ed programs. So like you're trying to get kids like, hey, if you can get your undergrad in phys ed, get a minor in exercise science, you know, understand the studies of it. Because then you can just go take and sit for the certification exam. There's no, right now there's no requirement that says you have to be an exercise science major to get your CSCS. Um, I know that's going to change here in the next many years. Um, but like I said, something that now of like, why not have that flexibility of you can sit for that CSCS, have the opportunity to get an education degree. And then like, that's what I did. I went interned at Duke University for a year and a half, um, you know, post-grad to kind of have my collegiate experience. Um, and like I said, that's where for me, I just realized, hey, you know, uh, one, internships don't pay. Um, and I had the opportunity to get a coaching uh, and teaching job back up north. And so I jumped on it. And as a 24-year-old kid making $55,000 a year, uh, you know, I was going to jump all over that, um, moving from an intern position to, to a full-time position, coaching and, uh, coaching and teaching. Remarkable, man. Remarkable. Now, let's talk about when you started this job. And yeah. I know because I've been, you know, at several different high schools. I've interacted with a bunch of kids. Um, I've coached multiple sports and stuff like that, man. That first year is always the hardest. So what did you do walking into your school that made it easier for you in year two than year three? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, for me, the, the one nice part was that Queensbury, where I'm at now, was pretty familiar. Um, we're also pretty progressive. My, my AD and superintendent are very supportive of my program and that they were very adamant that this program was occurring. So as far as for me, it, it the, the biggest hurdle is overcoming what are, you know, what become the stereotypes in any school. Like, hey, no, this is how this is supposed to run. What, what is status quo? Um, and I think anytime you're changing something, whether it's good or bad, you're always going to create ripples. You're always going to make somebody angry because something is changing. So I think, you know, one of the biggest pieces that we tried to do was really take an educational approach uh, and, and tried to go off of scientific research, making sure that coaches were informed. Obviously, trying to we, we held like educational parent nights on what is performance and what kids should be doing to help increase athletic development. Um, not just going to the, not just going to the Y and doing bodybuilding workouts, but, you know, Hey, if you're going to do that, it's not a bad thing, but understand what you get from that. You know, just, just understand the results that you're looking for. Um, and so that was a huge portion of it, you know, getting our physical education staff, getting our coaching staff, and then also getting our parents to kind of just not so much buy in, but just understand. And then obviously what you're going to have is you're going to have people who, no matter what you do, are going to choose the path that they want to choose. And then you're going to have some people who hear you and you're going to have some people who listen um, and some people who jump on board. So one of the things we did right away is we actually created a zero block class before school. Um, and it ended up being a class. We had about 20 some odd kids, small group. Um, and those kids were able to train two to three days a week um, before school even started. 
And what kind of snowballed for us from there on top of all this education, on top of adding this class was all of a sudden those kids were developing as the better athletes in the building. Um, and so then it became a, well, keeping up with the Joneses, I, I need to do what that kid's doing or what is that kid doing? Um, and so now our zero block class is up to about 56 kids enrollment wise. And if you look at our student population, as far as athletes go, they are the best athletes in the building. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing obviously our injury number, all the things I think every coach talks about why you should do sport performance, you know, injury mitigation, obviously athletic development, all those things, you know, we're able to kind of now show statistical data on, Hey, over the past six years, this is what we've been doing. And here's all the things we've done. And not because we have any magic serum, but just because we have a group of kids who are now buying into that two day week philosophy, whether it's in season or off season, it's a class, kids get credit for it. Um, and like I said, it continues to kind of grow just upon itself because kids will listen to kids way more than they'll listen to me. Um, and so I think it was merely just, Hey, can we get a few kids to kind of buy in at first. And then, like I said, it's kind of, you were saying from two to three, that number just kind of kept building it over the past six years. It's kind of built upon itself, which is cool. Man. I mean, it only takes a few kids and a few people to actually buy into what you're doing. And it kind of spreads from there. Yeah. Um, kind of realized that, realized that, that uh, pretty quickly at this new spot that I'm at, too, because a couple of kids like, well, I'm getting stronger. Yeah. Well, what are you doing? Easy. You're weightlifting. You're, you're yeah. sprinting. You're, you're doing yeah. normal things that, you know, to us as professionals, you know, are normal things. We sprint, 10 yard flies, whatever. Yeah. But to them, they're like, holy crap, I'm getting faster. Holy crap. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm starting to fill out a little bit more. Yeah. And it only takes that few to really buy into what you're doing. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's where, you know, it's funny now because we're, we're at a state where I have a couple of coaches who will come into zero block. Like, how are we getting these kids to RPR? And how are we getting like, like kids are just bought into it. Like you were talking about the neurological stuff. We do a lot of Dan Victor stuff with our kids. And, and the thing is at first, you know, kids are kind of questioning it. But like I said, over the first couple of years, we just built that trust of like, Hey, we're, we're doing what is the right things and we're progressing you along and we're seeing those increases. So now we're continuously kind of adding little pieces of what are the full puzzle, you know, versus the thing that every kid can kind of grab onto. And, you know, th those, those things start to compound. Um, so like I said, now in year eight, we're doing a lot of neurology stuff. We're doing a lot of Cal Dietz and Chris Corfus stuff. Um, like I know Chris Curry, like he's talked about that a bunch. Like we, we follow a lot of those same realms, this triphasic, like we're not doing anything that a lot of other people who are on that progressive curve um, aren't doing. But once again, our, our kids are just now kind of buying into it. We're, we're seeing the impact of that. Awesome, man. And kind of go down a rabbit hole a little bit here. Uh, yeah, do y'all do the RPR stuff as well? I know you we talked do, about yeah, it a little we've, bit. We've been doing RPR for the past three years. Um, and, and for us, it's really, you know, and I, most of the coaches who I talk to, our performance numbers have pretty much steadily stayed the same as far as increasing. You know what I mean? Like I said, the, the increase that we saw, you know, in those first couple of years and then adding RPR, we haven't seen, you know, anything that's astounding as far as performance numbers go. Um, but one of the things that we are seeing astounding numbers is injury mitigation. Kids just aren't as unprepared, you know, or, or, or aren't as awoken by a stimulus because we're RPRing them before. Um, so we actually have three or four teams who are fully bought in. Um, you know, because I'll see teams two to three times a week. Uh, but like our, our boys ice hockey team, every day they're RPR. Every day that's a whole part of their regimen. Um, and, and our statistical data on their injury list, it, it, chronic injuries, especially soft tissue injuries, has gone way, way down. Um, and so those are now that aspect of I'm not coming up with this stuff. Like I always tell the kids, like I'm the least creative person you've ever met. 
Um, but understand that this research is out there. This is one of the programs we're doing. Um, and we're, we're blessed to have some, some sport coaches who are fully bought in as well. Um, and, and those coaches in particular are seeing the biggest increases, you know, with some of those data that I think all coaches want to see. Kids are performing better and, and kids are staying on the ice longer. That's awesome, man. What back up? You get, y'all have ice hockey. Yeah. Yeah. We have ice hockey. Yeah. That's sweet, our, man. Our own in-house ice hockey team. You know, it's that's cool. Sweet. Like I said, well, welcome to North country, baby. Man, so, that's sweet. Uh, I, I'm here in Tennessee, and that that's not even that's not even a thought here of having. You ready, I, you ready for this? Ready? So 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 my best winter groups: ice hockey, cross country skiing, alpine skiing. Right, like total different realms of of athletic populations where we are. So that was uh, we went to NAPCON for uh, for the NHS SEA, and Cal Dietz had to present an ice hockey ring, and uh, I'm sitting next to a like a. Uh, who am I? Garrett Keith, who's from Alabama, and he's sitting there, he's freezing. And me and Ryan Johnson, obviously Ryan's from Minnesota, we're sitting next to each other. I'm like, oh, this is like, oh, for us. I'm like, I'm happy to be in the ring. <laughs> I've always appreciated the sport of hockey. I I never yeah. played it at all. I ice skated like a handful of times, yeah. and then I go watch like the National Predators or some you know some hockey team. And I'm like, man, I I have a new appreciation because yeah. being on that thin blade and oh. moving the way they do is astounding to me. It really, it really is. And like I said, we're, you know, our, our hockey team is, is good. You know, like we're, we're good for where we are. We're, we're not producing NHL athletes. You know, we're close enough to Canada that we have a decent connection. Um, you know, but like I said, with that, it, it's still just a cool group to work with. And once again, you get into this concept of, you know, kind of like specialization. Hockey is its own sport when it comes to training in some way. Um, just because, like, you know, I always tell our kids, like, we, we sprint test with our hockey guys. But like when it comes to like form and technique, I'm always a little bit shy of changing things because hockey players glide like they 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 push. They don't actually pull. There's no there's no cycling through their motion when it comes to sprinting. Um, so I talk about with those guys, coach, how can I get faster? And I'm like, well, getting faster on dry land is different than getting faster on the ice. You know what I mean? So it's a we it's a balancing act sometimes. So with hockey players, is there a certain like culture inside of that weight room and the way that you work with them? Because I know with football guys, they they're more in lines of like I want a bunch, I want to bust out a bunch of weight, or um, you know, if we're talking about like basketball players, basketball players try to you know work on their verts or anything like that. Is there a certain like culture with hockey that you notice yeah. is different? The one thing I will say about our hockey guys, so one, we're, we're really blessed. We have a great hockey coach. Um, he's been doing it for about 25 years here at Queensbury. He has his own culture. Like those kids, no matter what sport, so obviously we get a lot of kids who cross sport. So kids who, you know, play will fall, they'll get into a winner. So multiple sport athletes. And uh, we'll have a group of kids that, man, oh man, they're knuckleheads in a different sport. Or, but man, as soon as they enter hockey, it is like the blinders go on and those kids are, are fully dedicated. So that definitely plays into that culture. Um, but as far as mindset goes, when those kids enter the room, obviously hockey is, you know, 60 second short burst on and off the ice. So one of the things that they're very, very good at is we are obviously like, some of this is like very raw stuff. We go like high intensity, super low volume. Everything is explosive. A lot of velocity based training, but like we try to keep it short, sweet and to the point. And those kids love it. Like they just attack the, the just the, the three, four second aspect of what they do. Um, and, and so it's kind of a cool culture with the fact that like they get after it and then they know they have rest time. And I think it's what all strength coaches kind of want to program. But like when it comes to the programming, 
they actually like attack the programming in my aspect more than any other team as far as their effectiveness in that intensity. You know what I mean? Like our, yeah, our football guys love to load up the weight, but you know, we'll, we'll get in there and they want to do a one RM. I was like, you know, our hockey guys, like they know two to three set or two to three reps of maybe three or four sets. And those reps are perfect. They are hard. They are intense. And then they're done. You know what I mean? And then, then they're off the ice. So it's, it's kind of cool as far as, you know, I think every coach, the way you would program it, hockey guys seem to really, like I said, I think it's just that culture of how they handle themselves on the ice. And then obviously what they bring into the room. Man, at some point, I would love to be a strength coach just for a hockey team, just for yeah. one season, just to do like a whole season of training for them, just to yeah. see what it, it would look like, what the, you know, what, uh, what approaches and stuff like that, man. I've always appreciated the, the sport of hockey, but to really be in there and like, train those athletes i think would be just such a fun sport to well, to train yeah and that's where like you obviously hear a lot of these guys like cal talk or you know like these guys right now who are just so big in our world but like tad johnson's guy who's up at clarkson like i've had to research hockey because it's such a different sport um when it comes to the physiological demands you know kind of how things go like i said obviously technique um you know all of those aspects that you fold into it hockey is very different so i've been around, I've been to UMass, like I said, I've been to Clarkson, I've been to RPI, some schools near us, obviously in the Northeast, trying to like, all right, what are you guys doing for hockey? Um, and obviously Chris Kerr, who's at Liberty, like, like, like he's a hockey guy, you know what I mean? So I, I've listened to him a bunch of just like how he tests his hockey players, KPIs that he uses because what he's found, like once again, I, I'm the least creative guy, but there's a lot of guys out there who are super innovative. And so we just try to fold it in. And like I said, our culture with our hockey program is at a good point where our kids see it, they understand it, and then they they really buy into it. It's cool. Yeah, Chris Kerr when he was on the podcast, he started talking about like his speed development with hockey and, players. I just, I was just dude, mind blown, man. Whole podcast, I was locked in, and I, I was taking notes because once again, like you're talking about somebody now who's doing it at a high level. Like, why would I not listen to what that guy has to say? And like I said, hockey's just its own realm. Absolutely, man. I just sit there and just the speed development, and he talks about like how that transfers over to the, the skates and, you know, that thin blade of eye. I, I mean, it's just like, man, that, that's incredible, man. I just, yeah. Like I said, it's just different. It's a different approach. Like I said, when we're handling our football guys, we're max deloading them. Like I said, my approach to our hockey guys and, you know, what we're doing, you know, we're doing 10 yard excels, but we have a, we have, you know, a start, a stop. And then we actually have a one meter split. You know what I mean? It's like a three, like a three foot split. You know what I mean? So just like how kids can get from zero to one. Because that in, in skates, right, that's that first step. You know what I mean? That you're almost going nowhere, but that ability to kind of turn your feet over as fast as possible. So different things like that that I know he does that we've kind of taken in and our, and our hockey coaches now uses him as his KPI. You know, what he's using to assess kids when he's making bucks. And, you know, like I said, things like that that we're trying to evolve. But like I said, hockey's kind of cool in that realm, but it's its own little, uh, its own little niche of training. So you mentioned a little bit, uh, do y'all use, you use a velocity-based training, correct? Yeah, we do. So we uh we actually have a partnership with Output Sports, obviously, which I know is an NHSSCA member as far as uh, sponsors go. Um, so we got them this summertime, um, and and it's been a uh, it's been a game changer for us for sure. Um, just for the variety of use, you know, we use it for slams, jumps, obviously like stereotypical velocity based stuff. Um, but it's totally changed my mindset towards programming. That, that's been a huge aspect of it. Um, and then our kids' feedback with what they get on a daily basis. So 
how do the kids receive their feedback through that philosophy-based system? Is it iPad on, on the rack or? Yes. So we have, um, we have six double half racks, Sornex double half racks in our room. So we have 12 stations. So each station has a tablet. Um, obviously we have, we have 15 sensors. So we actually have over the number of sensors we have for racks, just in case we're doing stuff off the racks. Um, but yeah, so kids, depending on what they're doing, obviously they're, they're picking the lift or the movement, the exercise, whatever it is. And then, you know, based on the movement, you know, the output system is just a little sensor that wrist strap, foot strap, obviously barbell strap, uh, can go on whatever different system you're trying to do. So like when we're doing downward medicine ball slams, kids go on the wrist, they have the uh, tablet right in front of them. And obviously they're trying to put the ball on the ground as fast as they can. And then obviously it's just giving them a velocity based score. Um, so which is kind of cool, like, you know, raised in, in meters per second. So it'll pop up in front of them. Um, and then obviously for us, the biggest thing is for monitoring and tracking on a daily basis. We do, we pick one test to do with our kids as soon as they enter the room. Um, and, and that is kind of like our readiness scale. You know what I mean? So just kind of like, you know, kind of a, a, how are we feeling today? Um, it'll give them their score, but it also gives them a differentiation of their baselines. So like, you know, if we have a kid who's down 15, 20%, I'm having a conversation with that kid. I'm having a conversation with a coach, you know, Hey, they had a match yesterday. Kids are down. Like we need to make sure that obviously it changes the way I program in the room. But then it also trying to dictate how practices go to try to keep kids as fresh as possible. So how has it changed the way that y'all have programmed for your athletes? Because I know Cody Hughes down in Alabama yep. um, has like certain ranges for uh, on that velocity chart. You know, are you looking for strength uh, speed? Are you looking for speed strength? You yep. know, what's your intent for that day? So how has that changed your program? Yeah. So, I, you know, so we have like a base program, like almost like a block zero, like a Joe Ken. Hey, you know, all of our freshmen kind of go through, you know, and I think as we all kind of agree, there's always a basic level of strength that every kid needs. Um, so we try have tried to stay away from the velocity stuff with that group. Um, so that program is, is pretty foundational. There, there's nothing magical in there. It's really just movement fluency, um, you know, and then for us, we get into with our velocity based stuff and our monitoring and tracking. How we then program is I'll have the kids come in like our females will have 135 on the bar. Um, and based on their power output with that first movement, right? So like, a, like I said, like I say a trap bar dead, for example, Hey, we're doing trap bar dead today. You're going to do three reps based on their power output will be determined of yeah, how much weight we're going to add to the bar, um, based off of how, like I said, what range we trying to hit, like on that velocity curve, that force velocity curve. Um, so we use that range as well. Um, and then, like I said, based off where we are, will give us the rating of where our kids normally are. So if our kids start every day with the same weight, hey, where are you normally when you're pulling 135? That number is lower than it normally is. Okay, we, we know that today may be a struggle. Like we, we may have to either, you know, kind of fight through this lift or it tells us, me, that we have to program back. Like we need to take a step back. So we've really gotten away from using percentages, um, which I've always been a percentage-based guy. I, I think it was the old school common form. I, I think most strength coaches, how they learned. Um, and so that's been something for me this year that's totally been we don't use percentages at all. Like we were just right into, Hey, based off your velocity score, that's going to tell us how much weight goes on the bar and how much increase, how much weight we're going to increase with uh, based off how far you are off the scale that we're looking for, whether we are, yeah, speed strength day, you know, if we're cleaning, we're looking for 1.75 peak velocity. So, you know, if, if, Hey, we're at, you know, 2.0, well, that tells us we need to add about 30 pounds because it's a 0.3 difference you know, we need to add about 30 pounds to that lift to kind of really get to where we want to get to still be moving that bar fast, but also to be adding load. Man, I would love to get to a point to where programming looks like that and 
yep. not get away from percentages because our approach here is like if we're having like a max effort day, 80 percent is the floor. Yep. Whatever else is ceiling. If I could see, and I mean, you don't need VPT to have a oh. coach's eye and see if a if a barbell or a weight's moving fast or not. But it's nice to have that feedback and have a pinpoint exact of like you are here, right? If you're at like let's say point eight and you're squatting three fifty, it's like well we need to go up a little bit more if we're hitting whatever, yep. you know, for whatever day, man. So I would love to get to that point and yeah, no, have program look like that. It's kind of cool because the way we do it, like I said, we try to bring a little bit of culture in our room. So kids have lifting partners or lifting groups. So like I always tell the group, like, hey, whoever's in the bar, you guys are also assessing that 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 portion of his movement. Like meaning that when you step in, if that kid looks like he's struggling, even though he's like, oh, coach, that felt good. Like they will give him that feedback of like, hey, you know, that was a struggle for him. We we shouldn't be adding any weight. You know what I mean? So for us, it's really been something that we've tried to look at of trying to kind of fold into how do we grain and grain a little bit of culture? How do we grain peer feedback? But also for us, it also, I tell the kids, I have overall say. So if I'm going to get that feedback from your partners um, in your lift, then I'm going to kind of go with them. But at the end of the point where I'm like, Hey, you know what? We don't have a game the next couple of days. We may still try to push forward. Um, so I, so I, I kind of tell the kids I have end say as far as what we get to add on, but that, that partner aspect of things for us, really kind of folds into what we look for with feedback. And it's been kind of nice because it kind of keeps kids in check. Um, you know, I always say our biggest thing when it comes to kids is having to pull the reins back, especially with our males. You know what I mean? Not, hey, we're not going to max every day. Like, and there's a reason for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, guys want to sit there and buzz out a bunch of weight, man. And they want well, to figure out. Right figure... Hey, what do you guys want to do today? Coach, we bench? Like, right, like, that's it. Number one, every day. Number one lift, bench press. I know when I got to my school here, that was the, one of the first questions. You know, some of the kids asked me, like, how much you bench? Yeah. Like, more than you? Like, what, like, do you what do you want to know about? Why? Like, who are you? Are you why, Dad? Like, what, what's going on? And the same thing for, like, they, they never asked me, like, how much you bat squad? You know, it's, yeah. it's always bench press. And, okay. and I find that very interesting. I'm like, yeah. you know, why not bat squads? Why? Do you, uh, you not want the smoke, man? Like uh, our kids get on me a lot because so we don't back squat and we don't bench, but I use it as like caveats. Like, hey guys, you know what today? Like we're gonna squat, we're gonna back squat today. Kids be like, what? It's you know what I mean? Like so, and and like I said, some of our kids, like I, I probably lose them with that aspect. Some of our kids, because we don't bench and back squat, that's what they want to do. Um, you know, but like I said, I think the majority of our kids, they they hear it. Um, they, they somewhat understand it. And like I said, once again, that's where that data kind of comes in of like, Hey, I promise you, if you, you stick with this, we'll, we'll kind of move it forward. Um, but yeah, no, back squat bench, always topics of conversation in our way. No doubt about it. Um, I kind of did the same thing when I approached, cause when I got there, I worked with football primarily just because I knew the head coach yep. and that's, I mean, that was a sport I played all my life for 13 and, uh, years. That's a, stere- that's a stereotypical strength realm. It's usually football. Right. And I, first two things I said, we're not bat squatting. So yep. if we're going front squat, we'll zercher squat, we'll goblet squat, we'll bodyweight squat, but we yep. won't bat squat. Not in season. When, you know, we have the off season, we get some time and we kind of, I, I know their form a little bit more and we yep. kind of develop that relationship. Sure. But at times I said, all right, let's bat squat. Just like a few times, just to throw them a bone. Yeah, but, exactly. But I mean, front squat, we'll zombie squat, man. Goblet squat, we'll, we'll do all sorts of variations. They got pissed, man. But at the same time, like, it's what it is. And, and that's, like I said, we were at that point. Like I said, this is where you have that conversation of, 
you know, you know, six years ago, that, that was a battle for me, like a, a legitimate, you know, parent conversation, emails, phone calls of like, you are fighting that battle of like, Hey, you have to understand like why I'm coming in and trying to do this six years later. I don't want to say it's not a battle, but it's not, it's nowhere near that. Like I have kids question it, kids who are curious, you know, and I try to tell the kids like, Hey, if at any point, like if you guys actually want to sit down and have this conversation, I am more than open to do it. But at, at this point, I, I usually get most of the kids with, like I said, I, I just need you to trust me. I, I need you to kind of stick with me. And I need you to, you know, hopefully kind of believe in what we've been doing up until this point. Um, and we have a lot of coaches who are, are, are fully on board. And, and obviously that helps. If the sport coaches believe, um, then, then obviously, you know, it's a huge backing for what you do. Because at the end of the day, our kids are not here to be professional weightlifters. They're not here to be strength and conditioning coaches. They want to be a hockey player. They want to be a basketball player. Um, and so if the coaches are on board, then it makes life so much easier. Exactly, man. And you said a key phrase there that for your kids, you know, you, you just have to trust in me. And that's something that's not easy to come by for them, especially if you're a new person walking in yep. you know, like I was coming in yep. the summer. And, and I mean, I, there's some things I program and they're asking me, it's like, why are we doing this? Man, you're just going to have to trust me. So yep. I, I promise you, if you do it, you'll, you'll reap the benefits of it, yep. but you're just going to have to trust me. Yep. And I mean, have one injury football season and I, I consider that a good, a good year, yeah, you know? Absolutely. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Like I said, you play a contact sport and like I said, that's like you were saying like that, that trust, you have to build it. It's hard. But like I said, for us, my example, I use like it was zero block. We had about 20 kids. Those 20 kids started to trust. Like they were like, all right, we're willing to do this. And now we, we doubled that number. And I don't want to say that's about anything we're doing, but it just shows the work that the kids prior have put in. And those prior kids are now kind of paving the path for this group. Um, Cause like I said, we, we don't do, I don't do anything special. We don't do anything creative. We're not, we have no magic formula. Like I said, we just happen to have a decent group of kids who, who bought into to the aspect of sport performance versus bodybuilding or powerlifting, um, you know, kind of change that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that stems from the head coaches and the assistant coaches as well. I mean, if you don't have their trust and buy-in as well, it's very hard to get the message and what you want accomplished inside that weight room, facility, court, whatever. Because yep. if you are, let's just say, for example, going from a like short to long approach on sprint training and another coach doesn't believe in that, it's very hard to get kids on board of what you want accomplished. Yeah, no, for sure. And like one of the things like, you know, that, that we've been able to do, and like I said, it was for my AD and superintendent are super supportive. Every year we do coaches professional development. So like our coaches in New York and our teachers in New York constantly have to be getting hours of professional development in order to maintain certs, just like CEUs. You know what I mean? So for us, I run all of our professional development. So what, what it does is it allows for me to kind of pick and choose little topics here and there. RPR was one of them one year. Like we went through what, what, why are we doing this and kind of, you know, literally the studies that's being done. So I take all corpuses and, and deets and, and all their stuff. And you know, I make it into a presentation that works for our coaches of just, Hey, this is why we're going to do this. Um, and, and, and like I said, some of the coaches who take it, they end up getting it. Um, you know what I mean? So for us, that's been a six year process of that PD. And because of that coach's education, like I said, not to say that, like I said, whatever we're doing is right. But it's more so that we're kind of building that culture of, hey, this is what we do. Um, this is kind of how we do it. And we're always trying to stay as progressive as we can, um, you know, and try to make sure that our coaches are just as much educated as anybody else. I think that's a hard reality for 
especially a younger coach like myself and pause to yourself when you were in your uh in your school when you first walked in is that some coaches are just going to get it and some coaches are just not and that was a that was a very very hard reality um early on in my career because i worked with like baseball coaches and stuff like that and basketball coaches and you know some coaches just are not going to get it and no matter how much scientific research and uh, oh, wow. data points that you want to put on it they're not going to get it and i mean maybe they'll come around one day but it's just not it's not going to happen instantly it's not going to happen over time or yeah, not well, overnight one of one of our big major sports i have never worked with since i've been here at queensbury because their coach just doesn't believe in what strength conditioning is and doesn't want their kids to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger, no matter how, how much you try to show data, like it, it's just not what he does. Now I have his athletes because his athletes are a member of our zero block. So like the kids are there. Um, but as a team, they don't, they don't believe in that. Like that's not one of the things they do. And it's a chore. Like I said, you, you fight the battles you can fight. I can't make a kid or can't make a team come in. Um, but like I said, what, what he, his best athletes are, are some of my best kids. So like he's seen that. Um, and like I said, this is I think this is gonna be the first spring I think I'm gonna have that team. So I'm kind of excited to see how that plays out. There you go, man. There you go. So um so what does your normal day look like uh being a PE and a strength condition coach? I mean, do you have kids that are non athletes that come into your PE classes and then they're doing strength conditioning with your athletes? Like what does that look like? Yeah, so for us, so I, I have zero block two days a week, um, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So that class starts at six fifteen in the morning. So that's the first class of the day for me. Um, I usually roll into, I usually teach one phys ed class during the day, like just a gen pop phys ed. Um, after that, what I'm kind of responsible for is just kind of opening up the weight room. It's more, that's for us, for more like our off-season kids, like our day structure, not to say that in-season kids can't come and lift, but our day structure is more just open. Uh, it's more of a fluid process. And because I teach those classes in the morning, that kind of supplements some of the classes that go on during the day. Um, after that things really fold into for me after school. So like two o'clock when our day ends, that's when I start to hit all of our in-season teams. So we have a, a one block where it's like off-season development, where if a kid can't get in during the day, um, it's, it's more like a bigger window for us from like two to three fifteen ish where any off-season athlete can come in. Um, and then starting around three o'clock is when, when our sport teams start coming in and they come in for a 30 minute window. So based on the number of teams, competitions that day, like for today, for example, uh, I finish at 5.30 with our freshman basketball team. You know what I mean? So for me, it's a Tuesday. I, you know, I was here early with zero block, and I was here late. But my middle of the day, pretty open, pretty flexible. Um, you know, and I, I can leave if I wanted to. It, it, obviously, for us, it's holiday season. You know, we're having some fun. Like, I think things are good. So, like, you know, it's one is a work-life balance kind of as we talked about. But, I, you know, I enjoy my work. So I, I always tell people I haven't worked a day since I've been at Queensbury. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. But as far as the day structure goes, that's kind of how usually how it plays out. Sweet. I know the public school is a little bit different than private schools yep. um, about how they structure days and stuff like that. And um, that's kind of a uh, conversation that I think our school is having now is how do we fit different teams at different times? Is it something that we have to go before school? Is it something that we have to go after school? Um, but pretty fortunate to have that conversation and trying to and you know find establish something some kind of schedule yeah so we're, we're trying to overhaul our physical education department right now um that's been a big conversation of how do we almost go into so in new york phys ed is um 
it is a graduation requirement. You have to take it every semester of your high school career. So there's no elective-based phys ed. Like I don't teach strength and conditioning classes for physical education. Um, so we do a fitness component where kids kind of get to choose and strength and conditioning is one of those components, but it's only like a 25, 30 minute window before they go into whatever the phys ed activity is for that day. Um, and so it's a, you know, it's a little bit structured. So we're trying to restructure it to actually have almost elective based phys ed for us to actually get a strength and conditioning class. That's been something over the past like three years has been in the works, but we have like not to get in the weeds, but we have block scheduling. So it's a matter of like, how does this fit in and who programs it, who schedules it. Um, so it, with our admin, we're, we're finally starting to catch some ground and our superintendent this year just said, Hey, we're giving you guys the green light. We need to make this happen. Um, so that's something that for us next year is going to be a big part of how strength conditioning kind of holds into to physical education classes. It's always interesting to see how people kind of arrange their days and how school structure uh, yep. strength or incorporate strength conditioning into their own schedules. Yep. I know there's some uh, high schools here in Tennessee that like athletic period is not even present from first to last block. Yep. And that everything has to be done after school. And that's just talking about sports. You talk yep. about football, baseball, basketball, whatever, you know, everything has done after school or before school. And then, you know, we're having some high schools having this conversation of how can we incorporate into our PE program? How can we incorporate it into our days, which yep. shows the priority, you know, for those distinct schools? Yeah, for us. And that, that's been a huge thing for us. And I'm sure, you know, I, you know it's funny because obviously I think some schools have bounced back differently. COVID really hit us. You know, like we're, we're still we're coming back, but we, we've seen a dip in our athletic performance on the field, on the court. And so that's been a huge portion of it. Like, what are we doing to kind of compensate for this dip? And part of it was kind of overhauling our phys ed to hopefully get more athletic development in our physical education classes. You know, because I think for us, COVID, as far as, you know, gyms, and, and obviously New York was, was very liberal about the process as far as how it goes. Like, we had a couple of seasons where we didn't have sports. Like, we were not allowed to compete. Um, and so kind of trying to get back from that has been kind of a, a stepping stone process for us. Part of it is trying to get our kids back to being developed 16, 17-year-old males and females to compete in sports so i was about to ask if you've seen any difference between pre-covid and post-covid but you answered that question for me so yeah i mean you know it's funny i always tell kids we had when i first started here kind of got like my second year in i think we had about 37 38 kids who were 37 38 boys specifically who were 225 cleaners you know uh, 225 and above i maybe now have a small handful you know what i mean and, and it's just different you know some of the kids are good athletes um, but just not that elite level of base strength and that ability to generate power. You know what I mean? So clean is one of those movements that, you know, VBT all you want, the weight is the weight. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, a, it's a power movement. Um, and so that's one of the things we've kind of used to kind of just dictate, hey, there's where we were and here's where we are now. But I will tell you the, the script is totally flipped with our females. I had about maybe seven, eight females that could clean 135 or above before. And, and now, I got in the twenties. Like my, my females have totally taken over our performance capacity, if you will, um, here at Queensbury. And, and part of that, I think, is, like I said, maybe a little bit of COVID influence. Um, some of it's been the the change of culture in our room from when I started to to where we are now. Um, but also, I think some of it is females are a little more mature. They 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 understand long term goals. And if I if I struggle now, I make it better later. Whereas males, even me now, I'm impulsive. Like, oh, that looks fun. I'm gonna go do that. 
Um, so getting our boys back on track has been a little bit of a, uh, a bit of a harder thing to do. But like I said, our females are still kind of climbing, which has been a cool thing to see. Yeah, I really love working with our female athletes yep. just because I, I think it is a mature thing as well because yep. the guys still think farts are funny, which I, I agree. Well, to the great, I, 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 I'm about to say I'm about as guilty as them. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, exactly. yeah that's kind of funny. When that ketchup bottle squeezes, I, I still chuckle. I can't help it. You know, they're sitting there, um, but they're sitting there playing grab ass and yep. whatever else, man. I, you know, part of me is like, I get it. They're boys, and I, I was that boy too, yep. right? Sitting there wrestling out of nowhere. Um, but I, I really do appreciate working with female athletes because I think they're a little bit more in tune to what we're trying to do. I think oh. the, the problem with them is that they don't know how to strain and they don't realize how strong they actually are. I tell because, my, girl, my girls all the time. Like, my girl, I'm like, you guys, it's a confidence thing. Like, you guys have to believe. For them, I'm constantly adding weight on. For our boys, it's the opposite. I'm like, guys, we need to, we need to tone it back. Like, you guys are trying to lift. Form will then suck. And, but yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we went from, we're, we're straight bar deadlifting. I mean, we had like a team average of about like 100 pounds for straight bar deadlifts for our girls. And, you know, I'm telling us, like, look, you're a lot stronger than what you're putting out to be and yep. about six seven eight nine weeks later you know we had a team average i think like 205 or it was suddenly like that i mean like double awesome. i mean it, it's crazy and I, i'm telling them it's like this is not something that i program for you or whatever this is two things you you're trusting me which is yep. a great thing and you're you're gaining confidence like you said you're gaining confidence in yourself which but it's also cool like when you see a group do it because obviously like females especially at that age in my opinion like you see a lot of girls who hey like i, I kind of want to be safe and i want to be with my friends and i feel comfortable in that environment um and so for them you know you can get one girl to kind of step out you know and say hey i'm going to do this well the other two may just follow if that's the case or you know vice versa you get a couple who say yeah i'm willing to do this and they'll, they'll start carrying other girls along um and so that's what like i said that the culture of our room has been able to kind of benefit from that i think has been huge and I would say a lot of the coaches who I talk to in the high school world, you know, Mike Coons who's in PA, um, a lot of guys who I talk to who do the, the phys ed, strength conditioning, kind of very similar. It's like, it's like yeah, my, my girls are killing it because I think you're seeing that kind of change in, in that cultural tide of strength conditioning. And it's not that stereotype of a room. And like I said, the, the, the maturity of females at, at this stage. I think a little bit of confidence as well. And I joke around with them as well. It's like, you all understand that some of you are strong. As, or as strong as some of the football boys right now? Do you? Yeah. I mean, do you like? Do you understand that? Because that's I, pretty I badass. Couple, I got a, I got a few girls that outlift my football boys. Like I, I got a few of them, and, and you know, and not because you know they're they're big strong girls, but some of them are just powerful. Like so we have, we have a couple of girls who are just athletes, um, and, and it's been cool to see. And it's sometimes you know for our boys, sometimes it puts them in their place. You know what I mean? Which is kind of nice. Um, but it, but it's cool to see when that blossom you know what i mean like when you see that confidence all of a sudden come out it's like man that's that's any athlete you know what i mean like when you see that that like light bulb if you will come on of like yeah no i, I can do that like that swag they just you know yeah. they just carry themselves different man it, it's yeah. awesome it's yeah, it's sure. completely awesome there um let's go ahead and start wrapping things up man uh let's do conjugate coach spotlight so is there any strength condition coach out there that you want to highlight shout out anything like that yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's been cool. It, it kind of going back to the beginning, um, you know, being a part of the NHSSEA has been a really cool opportunity for me. Where, where, where I am, for the most part, I'm somewhat isolated. 
Um, you know, I, I have a couple coaches near me, uh, Coach Matt June, who's at uh, Colony High School, um, Coach Tom Labardi, who's at Columbia. Th those are two guys more recent to me now who have had the opportunity to get positions in my area because those schools are kind of starting to follow the trend. Um, so, which has been cool. Uh, uh, Zaquan Irby, who's at another high school shaker near us. So there's about four or five of us in our area who have kind of started to grow the population of strength conditioning coaches, um, you know, in this small window that I'm a part of, but because of the NHS SEA, guys like Kyle Jackson, uh, John Estock, who's down at Penn charter, Mike Coons, who's out in, uh, out in PA, like some of those guys have been huge for me of being able to kind of branch out and see what other people are doing around the country. Um, and and the, the four of us, we have a group chat. We are constantly talking all the time about strength and issue, about life. Um, so those guys in particular, no doubt about it, spotlights as far as guys who are doing it, doing it for the right reasons, uh, putting in the time and, and really are awesome resources in this world of uh, high school strength. Absolutely, man. Uh, I know uh, I met Kyle Jassett two years ago over at NatCon in yep. Nashville. And, yep. you know, just got to chop it up with him. He's been a fantastic uh, coach to reach out to. Um, I talked to him about speed development, talking about life and everything like that. He's, he's, yep. a, he's the man, man. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. So, you know, Kyle and I, we could, like I said, I, I was at that same NACON. And it was, it, was, it was cool to obviously just sit down with people like that across the board and just talk strength conditioning. Absolutely, man. I mean. I try to sit there and talk to my wife about strength and conditioning. She has like oh, zero, wife, zero no part in that. No, no part of it. No doubt about it. Yeah, she. I, I try not to bring my work home as much as possible. So I, the other day, what were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about uh, 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 sarcoplasmic hypertrophy versus uh, uh, myofibril hypertrophy. And I, I'm talking to her and she's like, what are you saying to me right now? And I was like, I'm just trying to tell you my kids are doing it wrong. Like I had a couple of kids and I was like, anyways, she, she was having no part of it. Oh man, I'll sit there and um, I'll be on Google Sheets or something, just sitting there, just cranking out, trying to figure out whatever formula, um, try to do whatever on there. Uh, I think at one point she called me a computer nerd. I'm like, this is not even computer stuff. This is yeah. like, <laughs> like very entry level coding. Just I'm sitting on a computer. Yeah, sitting there. I'm, I'm like, I'm not a computer nerd, but whatever. Um, John, it's awesome uh, to have this conversation with you, man. Um, yeah, appreciate you having. I've heard a lot of good things about you through Kyle and through other coaches as well. Um, so, uh, again, thank you for being on. Thank you for taking the time to be on here and uh, chop it up, man. Absolutely. And like I said, if there's anything that comes up, let me know. I'm happy to help in any way I can, and, and I, I really appreciate the time. Absolutely, Coach. And that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Follow our TikTok and our Twitter at Conjugate Chat Podcast on those social medias. Also, follow Coach John on his social medias as well. In the name of strength, stay strong, and have a day today.